when you are a soul unit at the end of the day, you know, like you've got to have your own back and there are people in your community that can lift you up, but sometimes it's just you taking care of you. Sometimes you get home from the longest day of work and the house is a mess and you don't want to cook dinner or put any of this stuff away or take the garbage out, but guess what? You have to do it because there's not someone else. And so then introducing friends or a partner or family members that want to show up for you and actually receiving that almost feels like a threat. Like they think I can't do it myself. Mm. Like I know how to take care of myself when really the person inside is like, please, please help me, you know, but that ego that's like, I can do it gets in the way. Welcome back to another episode of Get Psyched. I'm your host, Lindsay Locke, and today I'm sitting down with Caitlin Hansen. I was so excited to do this episode because Caitlin is a dear, dear friend and has so many incredible insights. As you can probably tell from the title, Fuck Your Higher Self, we go in on all of the spiritual language that can be so shadowy in this world of personal development. We talk about what it's been like for Caitlin to redefine her higher self, patterns and forced change, toxicity of busy culture and productivity, and a really cool experience that Caitlin had during a breathwork class. So if any of that floats your boat, I guarantee you, you will love this episode. There is going to be something that resonates and you might think of a way that you would like to redefine those spiritual woo-woo words in your life. While you're listening, please give the show a five-star rating and review. As you know, they all warm my heart. Extra points if they are funny, because I love to giggle when the five-star reviews come in. And finally, if you have been interested about what I've been talking about so much recently, Element, my favorite hydration drink, LMNT, it is amazing. It has none of the bullshit all of the flavor and all of the incredible hydration qualities that you're looking for. By using the link in the show notes, you will be able to get a free sample pack. All you pay for is shipping. So what are you waiting for? Try it out, sip some element, leave the show rating and review. And until next week, enjoy the show. Miss Caitlin, I'm so, so excited to be connecting. It's been so long. It's, has it been since Park City since I've seen you? Since New Year's. Last oh year. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's been a year. It's not fair. Um, connecting over Zoom, also not the fair way to do it, but here we are. Um, and before we hit record, we were talking about higher selves and how I know it's become such a trendy thing to talk about. Um, and I'm really curious to hear a, what your thoughts are on that. Maybe what that, what we think that might mean when people say it and then what it means for you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And also like, what is this? The just, we just have like a new year's check-in, but next year my our new year's resolution needs to be to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and I think this time of year brings a lot of reflection and I, like we mentioned, I feel like we're hearing this, a lot of buzzwords, you know, of people that are like woke and, you know, going into this new phase of life where we're busting down doors and trying new things and opening our brains to new things. And higher self is one of those terms that is thrown around a lot. And I've had to redefine it for myself. And 
it's kind of been something that rubs me the wrong way because I think it's like, oh, well, what would my higher self do? Like this woke, more elevated self. And I don't know. I want to just live in like my human self with like tapping into that. So the way I've kind of had to redefine it for me to feel better about it is like the higher self is actually like literally higher, like on a building higher, looking down at my life or like even in a, you know, um, medicine journey, higher way, right? Like not just this elevated person that like hovers around above the ground and lives life because that's for me, not reality, right? My humanness is what functions in my daily life. And I can't try to just like live in this higher self place. So it's actually kind of taken on a whole new meaning for me. And as I try to think about, you know, when conflict arises or I feel resistance in a situation or a little bit of unease, like I try to pull myself onto the top of that building or up into the clouds and not because it's a more elevated state, maybe spiritually or emotionally, but because then I can look at the bigger picture. And so, I mean, we can talk all about this, but my, my work right now feels like it's to pause and not react as quickly and ask myself, like, what do I have to learn here? Or what more do I have to learn here before I react quickly? Like I used to, and how can I expand and grow? And let me tell you, it's fucking painful <laughs> sometimes uh, to, yeah. sit, to sit in that discomfort. And I'm learning that you can live through discomfort. We want to like run from it and like shake it off. But I'm like, I want to get comfortable in the discomfort because that's where I feel like that expansion and growth comes. So that's kind of what I feel like I'm like, okay, here it is. It's in front of my face. Let's dive right in and work on it. Let's go. Yeah. I had, I worked with, um, an IFS therapist for a long time, internal family systems. And one of my parts was, and it would come up anytime in session when I was really triggered about something or something was really uncomfortable. And I physically just wanted to move my body. Like I wanted to the discomfort that I was feeling, I wanted to work out or I wanted to run it away or I wanted to do whatever. And the like ultimate therapist line that they all use at one point or another is like, and how's that working for you? (laughs) Listen, bitch, I don't need your feedback. Oh wait, wait, that's actually, I pay you a lot of money to, to tell me exactly that. Um, so what kind of offered that reframe for you? What was like, okay, discomfort is really shitty to sit in. And yet I know that my calling or my work right now is to sit in that and be able to elevate myself to that bird's eye view, higher self. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things I remind myself of, and everyone's heard that like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, right? Like Okay. So some things in my life I would like, like I have these goals, like we all do. And I've spent 35 years trying to get to them. And some of them I'm so far away from. So what am I doing over and over again? That is getting me the same results and not to where I want to be. So, you know, repatterning and taking the route that isn't the easy way is uncomfortable, but I'm hoping by expanding and learning new ways to do things, even when they feel shitty that, I can get different results and maybe will get me to where I want to go. Um, I also um, heard this quote. I don't even remember where it came from now, but I remind myself of it a lot. Like these things face us, these trials and you try to, you know, oh, once I get over this and like through this, everything will be okay. Right. And it's like, oh, well, I know how to handle this the way I've always handled it. And then it'll be behind me, but it's going to show back up. And the quote was, um, someone said, you know, what's behind, what's beyond that mountain, more funky mountains. So it's like, yes, great. So you've overcome this 
and you've done it the way you always have, but that mountain is just going to come right back at you unless we learn to do things different ways and repattern. So I try to remember that. And I live in the mountains, constantly backcountry skiing or hiking in the summer. And I think about that all the time. Like this uphill is so hard and I'm climbing to the top and it's like, then you're just going to look over and there's going to be more and more ahead. And that's kind of what life is. So I'm like, if we can start to repattern that we handle these mountains differently and maybe they're not as strenuous or painful, I don't know. I just try to keep that vision in mind and it's asked me how it's going. How's that going? <laughs> How's that going for you? Well, it's uncomfortable, but I'm trying new things. So I just think that you asked what maybe started me on this path. And it's just getting to an age where I was sitting back and pausing and reflecting on how I've been handling things and assessing if it's been the most efficient or most successful way to do it in, in the areas that I'm not getting the results I want. I'm trying to do new things. Totally. There's, you know, this notion that life will keep serving you the same lesson over and over and over and you can attack it the same way over and over until you ask yourself how that's working for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what areas of your life you've started making big changes in. Um, the one, well, there's a couple that are at the forefront of my mind right now. Um, I'll talk, I'll start with the easy one for me to talk about. And that is like actually career path. Um, I have made a huge transition in my career over the last six months. It's changed a lot of times, but the thing that forced me into that change actually was not only an opportunity that presented itself, which the details of that don't matter as much as the opportunity was there. And although I wasn't ready to jump, my health and wellness kind of forced me into a place where it was like, pay attention. And that's been a long time coming. I'm someone who, um, you know, I preach working a little bit in the fitness world, like to listen to your bodies and rest on days that you need to rest and fuel yourself properly and sleep a lot and drink a lot of water. And I do a lot of those things. The thing I don't do well, even though I think I do the other things really well is rest, you know, don't work out on days that you feel exhausted or didn't get enough sleep. Well, for me, that's mental health. So it's kind of felt like, yeah, but I need this for my mental health Mm. and my body started to break down, not only like with physical injuries, uh, but with some health complications I've been dealing with. And it just kind of put a mirror in front of me that was like, actually, we've been telling you for years to slow down as I work four or five different jobs at a time. And now it's like, we're not asking anymore. We're just going to shut you down. And, um, that's started to happen with my health and in turn opportunity opened itself up for me to take a hard left turn in my career, which is exciting. Um, but also will help me simplify and slow down and it's uncomfortable. And it's like (laughs) one that wants to fill every moment of my day and feel productive and go to the gym and see a friend and run between all my jobs and crash hard at night and wake up and do it again the next day. And this overachiever, like almost perfectionist mindset that I've lived for so long is just my baseline and my norm. And it's feels really uncomfortable to slow down. It feels almost like I'm not productive or it's, I'm not successful. Um, and I've realized I put a lot of my value in that hustle and I'm trying to kind of walk that back. Mm. And yeah, it feels, I feel antsy and like, I'm, I want to fill that schedule and accomplish more. And my mission right now is just to be a little more. And I do really well at being when I walk into my yoga class and I'm on my mat or in my morning, when I do meditation, 
but can I carry that off my mat and off my cushion and actually live that in all of my other life? Um, I don't know. And I'm trying. (laughs) It's tough, right? I'm sure you've heard the quote, um, we're human beings, not human doings. Mm, And it's so hard to sit in that. And I think so many of us adopt the narrative that to be successful, you have, you know, our, our culture has glorified being busy. Like how often do you meet, like you see someone in a coffee shop, you're like, Hey, how have you been? Like, Oh, so busy. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like the ultimate, right. It's a badge. And it's like also the ultimate deflection. Cause Mm -hmm. it's like, no, really, how are you doing? Cause if you're you, like, I want to think about that. Cause if I'm too busy, then I don't have to look at the other stuff. Right. Totally. Totally. I don't have to think about all those other things. Um, so where do you think that narrative for you came from? Like, I need to be busy. I have this perfectionist mentality. Where's that from? Um, I've looked at this a lot and I mean, I, I went to a liberal arts school that had a high emphasis on like being really good or not really good, but like expanding yourself into a lot of different areas and having your finger in like, I played an instrument and I played soccer and I was in AP art and I was in a literature class and, you know, like really kind of being more of a Renaissance woman is what that pushed. Um, my parents specifically, my father was really interested in our education and helping us get really good grades and being really good soccer players. So I don't know if it's, I can't ever pin it down to one single experience more than maybe the environment I was raised in and like, just work hard and be good at what you do. And then the rest of the pressure I will put on myself as being like, you have to be the best player on the field and the best ski racer and the fittest. And although, so by the way, if you could also have a stellar career and be a really good partner and friend, and also a great daughter, that would be excellent. And, you know, so all these things add up and that's a really, that's a really overwhelming and kind of sad expectation to put on ourselves. And seeing how that has also related into past relationships and the expectations I then hold on other people, which are unfair because I hold myself to that standard. It's like, I'm not asking you to be better than I expect myself to be, but it's doesn't mean it's fair to put that on me either. You know, Mm. I think a lot of what I'm feeling in conflict about with slowing down is like this huge fear of being ordinary. And I don't think anything is wrong with that. I think I just want to be excellent at a lot of things. And I always want to learn and grow. And that's a true desire, but finding, I want to say a balance. I I have a hard time with balance because I don't think things in life are ever 50, 50, right? I don't think you can say 50% is going to be for my personal life and 50% is going to be for my career or whatever the things you are balancing. So finding more of like a better baseline, maybe, or something that feels like it's actually sustainable. Right. It makes me feel like a relationship. Everyone thinks that, you know, you get into this relationship and all of a sudden both partners show up and it's 50, 50 and we split responsibility and we split this and we split that. And there, the reality of it is like, sometimes it is 70, 30. And sometimes I hold you up and other times, and this is what I'm still struggling with is like when I've only got 30 allowing you to show up 70. Have you ever had that experience? Totally. I do not receive help very well. (laughs) Well, just being, you know, 
I don't have children. I don't have a partner. And that being that person, that's like, I have me to turn to. And when you are a soul unit at the end of the day, you know, like you've got to have your own back and there are people in your community that can lift you up, but sometimes it's just you taking care of you. Sometimes you get home from the longest day of work and the house is a mess and you don't want to cook dinner or put any of this stuff away or take the garbage out, but guess what? You have to do it because there's not someone else. And so then introducing friends or a partner or family members that want to show up for you and actually receiving that almost feels like, um, Ooh, what does that feel like? Sometimes it always, it almost feels to me like a threat. Like they think I can't do it myself. Mm. Like I know how to take care of myself when really the person inside is like, please, please help me, you know, but that ego that's like, I can do it gets in the way. How do you, when you find yourself in those moments, like let the ego take a back seat and receive the help. This is slowly so just becoming a selfish conversation. So I'm like, yeah. Caitlin, help me with all of my things. <laughs> no, this is like, wait, tell me the answers. Lynn. Um, I, okay. Let me say this one. And this is what we kind of started with is that higher self meaning Caitlin high on top of a building or floating in the clouds, um, looking down and pausing. And I've actually gotten better at it. That pause and like, questioning, like the curiosity and like, I'm going to react right now. And I've gotten really good at pausing and asking myself if I'm reacting in a lot of situations and it's come with practice. And sometimes it's like, I'm ordering food and it's like, well, I always go to this restaurant. I always get the same thing. I have a restaurant literally in mind that I do this. (laughs) And I started a little bit ago, like pausing and actually asking myself, like what I'm craving today. Not just like I order the healthy thing on the menu. Cause I know like maybe what the macros are or whatever, and it's good and it's going to work for me and I'll feel good. Um, and just doing little things like that to start getting in the habit of pausing and responding instead of reacting and trusting my gut and not reacting with my brain. And so it's related to moments like that, where I feel like I'm just going to impulsively react to something, um, and pausing and being like, no, this person wants to help me. And does that threaten me and my independence or am I just being stubborn? Um, and then responding in that way, I, when I got divorced five years ago now, um, and coming out like away from that, you know, in any partnership, hopefully you maintain your independence, but you start to like, you know, people say you start to look like your partner, not sure, about, <laughs> but you at least adopt some maybe ideas or ideals, you know, and think alike. And I had to almost like reverse all my thinking. And one day, um, after our separation, someone asked me something and I responded quickly and immediately walked back and said, actually, I don't know what my opinion is. That was his Mm. opinion. And I need to rework almost everything in my life to think, you know, what do I actually think about this now? And am I just reacting instead of responding? So that was a long answer, but that's kind of how I do it is with that, like pull myself out of the situation, pause, and get curious about why I'm reacting a certain way. And it might still be the same answer, you know, I may yeah. not need someone's help. Um, and that still stays true for me, but giving myself the opportunity to be like, Ooh, what does my gut feel? Can I trust myself? And just by practicing in those little moments helps me hopefully trust myself when like bigger issues or conflicts come up, you know? Yeah. Learning to trust our own instincts is 
it's not even like we're learning how to do it. It's we're unlearning. We're unlearning all of the shit that we took on for whatever reason, whether it kept us safe or it kept us in partnership or it made mom or dad happy and coming down to what do I actually think? And what do I actually believe? Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk a lot about tuning into your gut. I talk to clients a lot and friends even about how often we disregard our somatic experience. Like my body will know something, even though my brain is like, this is what we should do. Um, is that something I see you nodding? Is that something you experience? Um, absolutely. And, um, I've had a couple, I'm sure as you have in everyone listening situations where I had a visceral, visceral response and it was like my intuition knew something and I wasn't listening. And I was like reasoning my way around it. Like, no, that's not, because sometimes it's not what you want to hear and only to be faced with it being so accurate that happened actually recently, a couple of months ago. And I like had to get to the bottom of it and figure out if I was losing my mind, spinning out of control for no reason, because it's like when your whole body tells you something is true, but what you're looking at is telling you it's not, it's like, how do you trust that? And to be met with an answer that just let me settle into myself and be like, oh, I'm home here. Like I can trust me, what my body tells me, the more that we can lean into those experiences, even if we don't understand why and trust ourselves, it's like, I think of it like little five-year-old Caitlin. I've been repairing that relationship with her for a long time. And I'm like, I'm here. I've got you. Like the little girl that wanted someone to stand up for her and tell her that everything was safe. Like it's now my turn to face her and look at her and hold her and be like, you were only five. You didn't know because when I'm 35 and I've got your back and I'm going to trust this feeling and protect us, that feels good. And just constantly checking in with myself and making sure I'm doing what's aligned and true for me and letting go of everything else. And I think that's hard. Like, Oh, yeah. Sometimes we don't even know what it is that we want that I have. I resonate with that so much. I don't know if it's the Libra in me. That's like the most indecisive in the world. And I'm like, ah, everything sounds like a good choice. But when I let everything fall away and look in the mirror and I'm like, who am I and what do I want? And is this my intuition or is it fear acting up and just learning to trust me? Those are, those are hard things. All part of that growth that I'm trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Shit. I'm, it's so funny. I'm a Taurus. So I'm the exact opposite. I'm like, I have found the path. This is the way it works. And we are fucking going this way. And then the second someone's like, Hmm, how's that working for you? (laughs) Like the wheels fall off. Right. But, um, you say you're five-year-old inside and I get like full body chills when people start talking about that. Um, because I think that again, we go back to all of that trendy woke culture and your higher self and tending to your inner child. And I think it's really, yeah, trendy to talk about those things, but to actually do the work is so different. How did you first get in touch with her? And what does she continue to teach you? Mm. I don't, I feel like there's so many encounters we've had over the last decade, um, more so even in the last five years. Um, I will say that, well, let me take you back even to just a week ago. I was in a holotropic breathwork class. Oh my gosh. Anyone that, you may as well be on DMT because- 
Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. The first right. time I ever did a breath, I didn't know that that was the breathwork yeah. class. I like showed up to this seminar that was called healing the wounds of love. And we mm. go into this like deep, deep breath work. And all of a sudden I am in the deepest, most psychedelic experience of my life. So I'm so excited to hear about yours. Yeah. It's power. Like how powerful is breath in the body? Like the things that we can experience without shoving ourselves into it with plant medicine or any kind of drugs or whatever is incredible. And it just makes me love and appreciate my body so much. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of stuff in here that I can learn from without having to alter my mindset in a artificial way, yeah. even if like plants and non-artificial substances. Um, but yeah, the power of our bodies and minds is incredible. So I was in this breathwork class and actually like went back to a place where, um, the, I, let's see. So this breathwork journey took me to a place and I was thinking of when was the first time I remember abandoning myself and thinking that I had to, um, be different or change who I was in order to be accepted by other people. Um, and it was actually the earliest I remember it was like, it was eight years old and I was on the playground. I feel like a lot of people can probably resonate with this because it's like those first social interactions. And I may have ha had it younger, but, um, and some unfortunate things happened like with a couple of girls and I was actually, I don't like throwing around the term bullying. Cause I think there are people that are really bullied and it's a, it's a really damaging and tragic thing, but I definitely had like mean girls that were unkind to me. Oh my gosh. When I was the in mean girls. Right. Yeah. Not nice. And if I've right. ever been a mean girl, like, gosh, I wish I could take it back without knowing that I did it. But, um, so yeah, I just remember like having interaction and they were really rude to me and they told me they hated me on the playground and I, they, I dressed stupid. And, um, yeah. So I just remember being like, okay, I need to look a certain way. I need to act cool. And like, if I cry, cause I was crying and they were laughing at me cause I was crying. And I'm like, okay, so I can't cry dress cool, like taking notes, right? Like this is what I need to do to be accepted. Um, and then it was just like this overwhelming sensation. I was laying on my back in the on a mat in this breathwork class. And I was just like, wrap my arms around myself. But I had this vision. I was just like holding my little me. And I was like, you're safe. You're loved. You're enough just as you are. Like, don't change. You know, you'll find your groove and your pace just, and I was just like holding her and talking to her and it felt so safe. And I, part of this, like I was in my childhood room and I was looking around that room and watching myself like at certain moments, I remember crying myself to sleep at night because of who knows, you know, all the different things that happen when you're a little kid and you're growing and learning. And I was just in there sitting with her. I mean, like, I've got you like, and I have amazing parents. I really do. I won't say they weren't there for me, but like, just like as now adults, we have our stuff and they maybe weren't in tune with what I needed as a little girl. I sure as hell wasn't to ask for it. So now remembering you know, what a gift that I was in that little girl body and knew exactly what she needed. And now I'm an adult with the systems and understanding of what that was I needed. And I can like hold her and be like, we're safe. And yeah, I, <laughs> I also, apparently I just have, maybe I need to do the work on why all these buzzwords, <laughs> but I also have a little bit of like, oh, geez, this is trendy. This like inner child work. And, um, gosh, if you've been through trauma and pain and heartache and illness and disease or whatever, 
like you know that that work is for you and no one else and if you want to preach about it and talk about it and you think that is your way of healing it please do it um and for me it's a very personal um inward private journey it's not a secret it's just private and i'm happy to talk to you about it you know because you're my friend and I'm willing to be open and vulnerable, but it's definitely something that is not fun to look back at hard moments that have created hard habits to break as an adult, but I'm just in a space in life. I'm like, I have the energy for it. And like I said, I want to repattern. So I don't keep doing those same things over and over again and ignoring the past and the little girl that was hurt that is now acting up, you know, just yesterday, Linz, I'm talking a lot. I hope you're fine. That's fine. That. That's a podcast host dream. I'm like, take oh it gosh. away. Sister. Like, just yesterday, I was triggered probably and was more reactive than I've been in almost as long as I can remember. I was furious and I don't get mad. I get like, if my feelings get hurt, I'm sad. I'm crying. I'm like, oh no. And I was like, about to punch my hand through a wall mad. And that is a really foreign feeling for me. And so this higher self, you know, sat in it, called a therapist to do some work with me, work through it. And it's amazing to see that that came from little girl, Caitlin, that felt abandoned and unseen and unheard and not safe. And I was so angry that I could feel that way again. And just an opportunity to look at it and be like, okay, what's really happening here is I'm not mad. I'm not mad at the situation or the people involved. I'm actually so scared of being abandoned again and turning toward myself and be like, okay, but if you don't abandon yourself, then you can't be abandoned. And those things are hard. And I'm like, I'm like in a emotional hangover today from being so charged for 24 hours, but luckily I didn't react to anyone, but myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and my therapist, but um, that's, that's what you pay them for <laughs> those lessons show up and those opportunities. I'm calling them opportunities for growth, um, come into our lives so that I can see like, okay, great. You can talk about this with Lindsay on her podcast, all you want, like the higher self respond, don't react. Like, what are you learning from this? How can you grow? get curious about it. But then if like rubber hits the road and things in front of you, do you actually do those things? Right. And I let myself be angry as can be, but I also de-escalated it and regulated myself before actually responding. And that felt really good. Yeah. I think that anger and I, and I don't want to like go into crazy gender things here, but I will say, I think that anger is a much more difficult emotion for women to befriend than it is for men. Um, and a lot of that being, in my opinion, um, anger isn't something that we are socially allowed to feel, right? I think a lot of times, like, sit in a sports bar and watch the guys freak out about what's happening on the football game. And the minute a girl is yelling like that, it's like record, like, and the whole bar is looking at you. Right. <laughs> and I, that is why I think it is so fucking hard when everything in your body overwhelmingly is telling you, like, I'm really angry right now. And I know it's been really, really hard for me 
to express that at all, let alone in a healthy way. Um, so you said that you recognized it, worked with your therapist, integrated it. What, what does that work like for you? How have you been able to experience anger and what is that like in your, in your body, in your world? Um, I hate feeling anger. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that's why. uh, So you said at the beginning, you're like, you know, you're uncomfortable, um, and it's like, I want to move. I want to work out. Like I'm great at that. Look at how much I fill my schedule. And I don't actually think someone that I am someone that avoids my emotion or discomfort. Um, I don't know that I lean into it all the time because I am busy, but I don't keep myself busy to not address that personal work. I actually do a lot of personal work and carve out and fiercely protect that time. Um, but it is easy when anger comes up to want that out of my body and to be like, Ugh, I hate this. And what, um, what I learned is that uh, for me, when anger comes up, I feel powerless. Mm. And that's the angry thing is I feel, I feel powerless. And there's a heartbreak in that to feeling like you don't have control. And maybe the anger arises as trying to get that control. Um, as opposed to sadness, which feels also maybe not charged enough to get that control back, which anger anger for me feels like I'm mad. I'm, you know, I'm red, I'm fiery, and I'm going to gain control of my life back when it feels like it's falling apart. Um, I realized that anger for me is also me like being in protest, which is not a fun feeling. I'm a, as you know, I'm like, I'm a pretty mellow, um, I don't know. I don't know what calm maybe feels also accurate, but I don't fight with any of my partners ever in my life. I'm not a fighter. I'm not combative. I'll stand up for myself. I have a backbone, but like I'm really triggered by meanness or anything like that. So feeling that in myself um, has been quite the lesson to let that also exist in me and see that that can exist in me when it's a quality I dislike so much in other people um, and learning to love all the parts of me. It's been an interesting journey, especially in the last 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. I'm like really putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, it's great. It's How- good. This is my therapy. So thank you. Hey, I'll, uh, I'll send you my, my bill later. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how are you integrating anger then? How are you learning to love that part? Um, do I, do I have to say that I love it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't love that part. No, I do because um, because it is part of me, right. And just like anger, there are other parts of me that have shown face throughout my life that I despise. And they're also part of me. And I think if I can learn to open my arms to anger, like I have some of the other qualities that have shown up in my past that are me that I dislike, um, I can make friends like you said. I really like how you said that um, because I've made friends with the mistakes and um, shortcomings of my past and they no longer bother me. And I don't have a solution as to how, but if I can look at anger in me and hate it so much, can I do that thing where I pull myself to the top of the building with my higher above the ground self and say, Hey, that's a piece of you and that's okay. And 
maybe we can learn to respond in a different way. And already I feel glad that that anger didn't go anywhere outside of me. Right. I didn't say anything that I would regret later. I like quickly muted it, even though what I wanted to do was like punch someone's teeth in. Um, (laughs) Also that is like so out of my character that would never happen, but that's what it felt like. Um, So already I feel like a little progress and uh, openness to that side of me. How do you think that accepting that part or befriending that part allows you to interact with other people when they're so clearly in that emotion? Mm. Um, I actually handle other people being charged a lot easier than I handle me being charged. Um, I think I can just, it's so interesting as you're saying this, I'm like, gosh, I hold space for other people to have a wide range of emotions and don't take it personally way better than I do myself. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's most of us, a partner or a friend that is angry, whether it's at me or at the world and is acting out. I'm like, okay, like you can have that sit in that feeling. I'm here to hold space for it, to go away until you need to revisit this. Like, and I can literally sit there and allow that with not much, like, I mean, obviously if someone's like getting violent with me, I don't handle that well. That also has not happened very often. So it's not like something I have to deal with, but um, yeah, I think that it's only going to help. And I think that those interactions with other people and just naming it like I did right now and seeing that I give grace so much more freely to others than I do to myself is just the next step and being like, okay, give yourself a little of that. I don't know. How do you do that? Oh, how do man. you get yourself a break when you dislike things that are happening in you, but you give grace for others? I mean, I think it's, it's twofold. So I'll answer. And then I also want to pose another question. Um, I think that recognizing it in myself and then seeing it in another person allows me to see the humanness of the entire experience right? I'm not holier than thou, neither are you. And we're both humans doing this thing that humans do. Um, and what I have found in that is that, yes, it lets me accept what, what they're doing or how they're acting or how it's affecting me. And then the question I kind of want to turn around and because I'm wrestling with this now, and I'm just curious what your stance is, is on it just because I can recognize it and understand it for what it is, I find that there's a big part of me that feels like I continue to self-abandon if I accept their shitty action. Even though I can justify why it's happening, I can understand that it's projection or their own emotional experience. What about it do I feel responsible for having to like be the higher, right? Be my higher self and forgive that person when it's really tough. Like it feels really shitty to be on the receiving end of someone else's hard emotions. So I'm curious how you feel. If I can recognize it and I can see it in someone else, is it still my job to hold that space for that person? Fuck no. (laughs) I think if it's abusive, absolutely not. And I also want to say, that just because I pull myself up in a way to look down at the bigger picture as this like higher self that we are 
redefining. Um, absolutely. I hope I can come back and respond in a collected way, but absolutely doesn't give me permission or mean that I have to come back and respond to hold space for them and acknowledge, you know, acknowledge, but not accept how they're acting. Mm. So I would like to respond calmly so that I represent myself well, but I don't, I feel like there's still a lot of space in that for me to set a boundary. So just because I look at it, the bigger picture, I never feel like I'm like, okay, fine. I see where you were coming from. It's okay. And I've actually tried to take it's okay. Or any kind of consolation sentence out of my dialogue when someone has actually hurt me. Right. Because it's it's fine. Yeah. It's not. (laughs) And it's hard because I think people expect that too. And, you know, if someone didn't respond to your text, something as simple as that, or if they ghosted you or clearly I'm dating right now, right? Like all these things, <laughs> it's like just because they come back and like, Hey, sorry. I know I said I was going to do that. And I didn't like my bad, this X, Y, and Z excuse. Like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm really trying to not say it's okay. Or don't worry about it because I'm like, no, you need to worry about that because guess what? I honor myself and treat myself with respect. And I demand that other people do as well. And letting people get off the hook for that is only abandoning me. Like you said. Yeah. So I like to come back with that and be like, Hey, thanks for apologizing. That felt really nice. Or I hear what you're saying. I'm glad you explained it to me instead of it's okay. Don't worry about it. A lot of times we say that because it's uncomfortable to have someone come back and this like, this doesn't feel good. And we're now like, you can tell I'm frustrated and you're making up excuses. It's like, no, kind of hold them to it and make them sit in the fact that they did something shitty. And it's not like a mean thing. It's just like, that might be the result of saying, this is how I honor me. And if you're not going to honor me that way, you're going to, you're going to have to hear about it. Well, right. <laughs> I don't know. Because you're... Also I'm single. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're also teaching people either consciously or unconsciously how to interact with you. Mm. And so if you are actively avoiding discomfort by saying it's fine, then you're condoning the behavior, right? And I'm speaking as like a recovering, it's fine, aholic. Like I was the kind of person that would be two years into a relationship of it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then wake up one day and be like, ooh, it's not fine. Mm. And then all of a sudden, my partner or a friend or whoever that moment came up with, that's uncomfortable for them too, right? Because they're like, well, I've had two years of, of conditioning that this is fine, that this is how we interact and this is what happens. And now you're telling me it's not, and that's really confusing. And so I love how you put it with, this is how I'm showing up for myself. And if you can't meet me in that place, that's not on me. And that's not having unreal expectations of someone. That's just understanding your self-worth. Yeah. And it's a real clear boundary to put up, to be like, I'm going to leave this experience here and move forward. Or like someone is meeting me and let's move forward together. Right. At least if we're speaking to a partnership or dating world, I think that knowing what your boundaries are and you know, what you expect without putting expectations, but just saying like the way I expect to be treated with kindness and, you know, some values there and upholding those is a way to not abandon yourself. And I am learning that all the time because it's really easy to go after that smoking hot guy that 
crosses those boundaries and make excuses for it, you know, and just to say, mm, but guess what? I love me first. Mm. Oof. Mic <laughs> drop, mic drop. Take that to the bank. <laughs> Don't date the uh, red flags. Date yourself. <laughs> you know, um, I, a shaman I've worked with for years and years is now a dear friend of mine. And probably a year and a half ago now, I was like the night before I was working with her and we were kind of on the phone prepping and I was just like raging. I was like, this is wrong. And this is wrong. And like complaining about what was happening in my life in relationship and in love. And, um, yeah, she just like came back at me with in a really soft, gentle way, but it hit me like a ton of bricks and totally reversed my mood immediately. And it's kind of been my mantra going forward, at least in my love and relationship world is she said, honey, it's not about finding the right man. It's about being the right woman. And I have literally reminded myself that like so frequently it's ridiculous and just putting the focus on me and not blaming someone else for, you know, why something isn't working or how I'm being treated. And like we said, just making sure that I'm the right woman for whatever is out there, whether it's the right career path that I'm educated and working on myself, my own growth, or if it's the right partner, or if it's being a good mom or daughter or friend or whatever it is, like I can't control the outside world, but I can control me. And if I'm doing the best that I can do to be the right woman for whatever opportunities show up, then I feel like I can let go of the rest and just kind of relax and trust. You know what I mean? Shit. (laughs) What an incredible... Now only if we could do it. (laughs) Right. Now I was going to say, what an incredible way of bringing it back to what we were talking about in the very beginning. Cause I think the only way that you can do that is by harnessing the higher self that you were talking about, not the woke culture, higher self, but can I pull myself out of my very, very subjective experience and bring myself to an objective one and really look at myself with an honest curiosity. Mm-hmm. And how is that person showing up? Good question. <laughs> Caitlin, this was so awesome. I feel like I'm just going to spend the rest of the night journaling and <laughs> being in my feels. But if people want to continue to watch your story unfold, continue to stay connected, how do they do it? Um, I hate to say it, but probably Instagram. I'm not really active on any other social medias anymore. So Caitlin H Hansen, and I don't know what, (laughs) I don't put much up there, but (laughs) follow right along. And you have a podcast. Yes, of course. So my very good friend and co-host from CBS news, and now from this podcast, and I started our own project about a year and a half ago. It's called the living unscripted podcast. We have a blast. It's off the rails. We interview really incredible people. And sometimes we just talk to each other about nonsense and we're learning and living and loving just like you over here on this platform. So join us. Hell yeah. I will link all of that in the show notes. Caitlin, thank you so much. <laughs>